This is Edge Cases, a podcast about the grumpier side of software development, mostly, but not always, Apple-related, featuring myself and my co-host, the Simon and Simon of Objective-C. I'm Andrew Pontius. And I'm all French. This is episode 39. It's Saturday, March 2nd, 2013. And what's our topic this week, Wolf? Uh, I guess we're wrapping up the uh, GTD episode from two weeks ago. Yes. Yes, we are. Okay. Okay. So do you, any, do you have any follow-up? I checked the Gmail and did nothing for this episode. Okay. So I um, there is some follow-up for the uh, podcast from last week, a programmer and a puzzler. But I have decided to write a, a blog post about it instead of trying to sort of cram it all in here. So um, that URL will be in the show notes for this episode. I haven't actually written it yet, but due to the, uh, the time dilation effects of, uh, of our podcast release schedule, it will be written by the time the rest of you hear this. So, so uh, go ahead and, and have a look at that. Um, it will going to talk, let's see, going to talk a little bit more about Inform, uh, one of the programming languages for text adventure games and things like that. So, uh, again, if you're interested, go look at that. And uh, so that'll be it. So uh, I guess you can get started. You see, this is why I feel badly that I'm, I've never watched a single episode of Doctor Who, because I'm sure I could have made some sort of time dilation uh, joke there. Well, uh, I know there are like phone booths involved and, and robots that, are right. sh- that shoot da- Daleks, but unfortunately Daleks. I'm very ill-equipped to make a reference there. <laughs> Well, if if there really are time dilation effects, um, you could decide to make a Doctor Who joke much later and, and still make it here during this podcast. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, thank you. All right. Okay, so uh, so last, um, I guess not last week's episode, but the episode where we talked about GTD, is that we kind of um, gave a uh, high-level overview uh, about it, and oh, actually, we we didn't. I purposely didn't because there's a lot of places you can get high level overviews, and of course, you can read the book itself. It's not that it's not a, a hard read at all. But I uh, I w- actually wanted to do the thing where people who understand GTD and kind of integrating their lives end up talking about it. The like the the what they don't want to talk about ever is kind of the tools. So that's what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> there seems to be like this. Um, there's a, the standard way of doing GTD is like you, when you first read the book, it's like, oh, there's all this philosophical crap. Let me get through it and go to the second half, which actually kind of talks about the system itself and how to execute the system. And inevitably, when you go back and read it another time, another time, you start to realize that it's actually the front part of the book that's the m- most important because it, it's kind of like the philosophical foundation of the execution of the back end of the book, which actually, now that I think about it, is actually a pretty good metaphor for GTD itself, where you have the kind of the, the thinking parts of it. But uh, then you you write the list so that the execution part of you li- that comes around uh, later can actually execute from that. But um, so there tends to be this kind of a shine away from the tools. Um, well, I know that uh, I think uh, I want to say that Merlin Mann uh, pi- uh, coined the term productivity porn, and he used to have this uh, website called Forty Three Folders, and I. Th- I think he stopped updating. Uh, I never read it too much personally, but uh, I think he got the impression that it's very easy to kind of just like get these bobbles and kind of get get tied up into the act of of organizing your life instead of actually 
executing your life, getting things done. And so he kind of uh, got burdened by that and kind of walked away from it. And so I totally understand about walking away from things. So, uh, but that said, well, I and also, so he, uh, it, it's very similar to, uh, you know, something that happens with programmers that they'll spend too much time creating the tools to help them create the program they want. You know, oh, yak shaving as, yeah. as they say, yeah, you know, it's, it's something related to that, that people are, are wary, are, they're wary of it because they know how easily they could fall into the trap of being too enthusiastic about it. Absolutely. And, but it's, it's interesting that, yeah, that is definitely a, a common programmer pitfall. But it's interesting that yet our tools are so bad. So <laughs> we spend all the time shaving yaks, but yet and trying to make better tools, but yet they're so, so The yaks terrible. keep regrowing the fur. <laughs> I guess that's how the metaphor works. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if you, I'm going to talk about the tools because I actually get – when I hear other people – talk about the tools they use for implementing their getting things done system, I usually actually get a lot out of it. It uh, so I, I so it's it's kind of um it feels like maybe you're you're catering to the base level of your brain the kind of the productivity porn section of it. You know uh, I I thought I was alone when uh like you know you go to uh Office Depot and you go to the stationary section, you just kind of like you what's that guy on uh, the the Charlie's Angels reboot? The Thin Man. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Oh, you see, you're missing out, man. You, you need to watch the reboot of Charlie's Angels. And there's no, this great. I really don't. <laughs> no, no, there's a great character uh, played by Crispin Glo- Glovin. Glover. 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 And, I think. Yeah. Yes, Crispin Glover, and uh, he he like does battle with them. But the really creepy thing is that he kind of like sniffs their hair while they're while he's fighting them. And uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like that with the stationery at Office Depot. You know, go in, you kind of sniff because like it just feels like this is potential. This is ideas I could be putting onto paper. But uh, so, so bottom line, we probably should edit all that out. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Sniffing the stationery's hair is yeah. Yes. Not quite. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, go on. Go on. Anyway, so. Um. But it does provide a a uh, you know its potential, and I do get excited about the uh, you know the the potential of these tools, be it you know stationary or be it uh, the software that I use daily for implementing these systems. So I think it's uh, I always get a kind of a boost when I hear about it. So I think it'd be uh, helpful if I talk about. Um, the tools I use, and there's a bunch of like uh, tools that uh, you might not have heard of, and you um, that may not be obvious that they play well with GTD. So I'm just I have a list here of I don't know maybe a dozen apps. So I just want to kind of go down the list and kind of talk about how I use each one. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, great. So the the 800-pound gorilla of the Game Things Done system on the Mac is, of course, OmniFocus. And I, I think we've I, we talked enough about it in the previous episode, That's so I don't need to go too much into it. Uh, that's I think I mentioned in the previous episode, too, that Omnifo- it's best to think of OmniFocus not as... It's kind of like Git. It's, like it's, it's not a version control system directly. It's more a toolbox for a version control system. That doesn't... So you can build your own. And that doesn't really help you, <laughs> unfortunately. And, you know, people do end up using Git direct, directly, obviously. But you kind of have to layer, you know, ideas on top of it in order to effectively use it. Um, so, 
every pretty much uh, OmniFocus gives you the tools, but you have to decide how to use them. And I, I and uh, everyone who uses OmniFocus in a, a different way, depending. And not only that, it's, it's in like the entire thing is like yeah, ask a you know a group of ten engineers a technical question, you get twelve responses back. It's one of those things where it's the same person can get a it will use OmniFocus in different ways as they as their life changes or as they understand GTD better. So uh, one thing I want to mention that I just learned fairly recently is that a, a knock against OmniFocus is that it doesn't have tags, at least not yet. I know they're working on OmniFocus 2, and I'm hoping it has something like tags. But on the other hand, I could totally see how adding tags into the mix would be would add yet another uh, complicated tool set. It's kind of like when they, impl- uh, when they added... Um, Templates to C++, how you already took this pretty complicated language and you added yet another facet of complexity to it. And maybe, and you know, C++ is famous for like parts of it not working well with other parts of it itself. So I could see that you know, maybe they don't want to add tags with, uh, to it. But that's I do view it as a weakness of OmniFocus. And uh, so you, the good news is, and I heard this from listening to another podcast uh, that isn't specifically about GTD, but I had a guest on, and unfortunately I don't remember what that podcast is because I've already scrolled off my list. But uh, the bottom line was that you could uh, basically fake tags with OmniFocus by using the notes field, and then you can set up uh, a ser- you can search for those tags, and you can do this thing at OmniFocus called saved perspectives, where you can you basically you set up a a window how you like it, and then you can save how that window is set up and where different projects are disclosed or not disclosed, what filters are applied, and um, so forth. And you can save that and you know maybe assign it to a toolbar toolbar item, and make it very easy to switch to. So it um, between those two. <clears throat> two things like uh, uh, you might be able to use like uh, the bullet marker, and then you could put put the tag name there, and then that kind of uniquely calls out that text in your notes, make it easy to search by, search for. So that's that's one little workaround for the for the lack of tags at OmniFocus. But um, that that's more of a kind of tip thing. Instead, I want to kind of talk about a uh, kind of how I use OmniFocus in in a way that works really well for me. Um, probably, I told I mentioned before how what I really like about OmniFocus, I'm sorry, about GTD is that it recognizes numbness. That when you go numb to something, you don't want to look at it anymore for whatever reason. And it's a, and it's not, sometimes it's just a matter of habit type thing where it's like you don't look at your inbox for a while and it fills up and, and you're just like, oh, I know if I go in there, I'm going to lose a couple hours. And so you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to keep ignoring that because I know that's a big project. And, man, I have this other stuff I need to do. And so uh, one way that I found is pretty effective for me to counter that type of stuff is that I have a project in OmniFocus that I call Boot. And boot is pretty much uh, like starting up a, a computer. It's um, something that I run through at the beginning of almost every day, and it has. And the first item on the boot list is get coffee, which sounds like why would you actually put a checkbox <laughs> to get coffee on your daily to do list? Because you're going to do it anyway. Why? And that's kind of the idea. Is that it's it's one of those little tricks where, yes, I, I know that in the act of getting coffee that I've already accomplished something on my list, right? I check it off, and I know that if I go into OmniFocus there, after I get my cup of coffee that there's something I can check off right away. 
And so do you, do you actually do physically check it off? I do physically check it off. Yeah. One of the features of OmniFocus is that you can have these, um, I don't know, what's a good monster that comes back from the dead repeatedly? Uh, Jesus. And, oh man, <laughs> a, we're going to totally vampire. have to episode, uh, edit this episode down. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Christians. Um, there's I, Dracula, does it come back from the dead? I don't Va- know. Vampire, yeah, you... You you know you cut their head off or whatever and it, that's not enough. You got to stake them. So if you don't, oh okay, if you don't do all those things and they rise up again. Okay, well, so we do the we do the vampire thing. Yeah. So so um, basically, you can have a task item resurrect itself, and on these items, I have it so after I check it off, it just repeats the next day. So that way, every every day there's an item to do, and that is to get a cup of coffee. And I do, of course, do it anyway. But that gets me started, and that invites me to look at the rest of the list. And then I have other things like look at BusyCal, um, plug in iPhone, uh, uh, do back stretches, that, that type of stuff. So this is this is a great way to. And <laughs> embarrassingly enough, uh, the the last item of my boot list is actually brush teeth. Because let me tell you, working at home, I was just thinking about. Sometimes that. you forget. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really like you you really want your brain to not be going well. What's the next thing I need to think of? And I'm not I'm not at that point yet. And I was kind of wondering, you know, how how crazy should I get with this stuff? Well, I mean, obviously, you don't have to put in bathroom breaks and stuff like that. There's and there's limits to the craziness <laughs> here. But I, I found these psychological tricks. The, the fact that in, I know that just doing this thing that I've already made an accomplishment today off my seemingly serious list. It's basically putting a little bit of frivolity into. A, a pretty serious task list that draws me back into it on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. That said, it's it's not a hundred percent thing, and it's actually a good sign that there are when I'm hot on a project when it's like occupying occupying my my dreams and my my thoughts continuously. Um, I often won't even want to switch into OmniFocus to check that get a coffee thing because. I know there are other products there that aren't imp- as important, and it's kind of and at that point, is it's a little bit dangerous in that uh, I also have time things that show up in my inbox I have to keep on top of. But that won't be the first thing I do that day. Instead, I'll put in the three five hours of coding first before I'm kind of ready to look at that inbox. And so, and I respect that. It's it's one not one of these kind of hardcore things that you have to do every day. It's you know I recognize that uh, my energy is focused on a project, and obviously. Uh, this is where the productivity f- porn kind of drops away, kind of falls away, is that you can, you know, I am actually getting things done. And I, and at that point, the system moves into the background. And I know all my projects, all my 100-plus projects are in there, so that when I need that break or when I'm doing my weekly review, then's the time I can, then's the time. <laughs> I think that's, that's Southern, or I'm probably, in, I'm probably insulting more people again, but... Um, well, well, what you're saying here is that when you're really deep into a project, you don't have any time for porn. <laughs> I think we have a title. Yeah. <laughs> so I so the boot list has worked very well for me, and I don't really, I haven't really heard anyone else talk about it. So I want to kind of lodge that meme into your brain. Um, another thing that I've found, is, so getting out of the OmniFocus um, very large pool is. Like where OmniFocus doesn't work for me, and it's not so much that it doesn't work for me. It does what it does is it does very well, but I found that OmniFocus by itself isn't nearly enough. 
And uh, another program I use for uh, kind of task management things is Task Paper. Have you played with Task Paper at all, Andrew? I have not. Okay. Uh, if Jesse, what's his name? Oh man, he just, in his about box, he just says Hog Bay Software. But Jesse Grogan's, I've, I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head, and I don't never said it before, so double whammy there. But um, Task Paper is essentially it is you can think of it as a text editor that understands the domain-specific language that tends to be textual to-do lists. So uh, if your line ends with a colon, it knows it's probably a project. If if it starts with a with a dash, it knows it's something that, that could be ticked off and marked as none. And uh, so it has a bunch of interesting tricks. And so it's, it's fun, fundamentally text, but it, it uh, does some nice formatting on top of it and gives you some uh, powerful tools that allows you to like focus on a project or sub-project, all that. And... In many ways, it feels kind of like Omni Outliner or another outline program, if there are any, that it's very, it's a very fast to create outlines in. Um, I do like the fact that it's text, that it, handle, it can be stashed into version control very well. And it's something about OmniFocus is that it <clears throat> OmniFocus, with my 100-plus projects in it, it feels very kind of heavy and and it feels very real and that's one of the reasons why the bootless is so so powerful is that because it draws me back, back into it i find that if i stay away from omnifocus for too long it feels like this this is you know, undoable mass or something that i just go numb to it and i don't want to look at it anymore so um what the th- thing with task paper is that it's basically every it's document focused because because it works on those task on those text files so that when you create a new document, that document stands alone. And there's something about having a quote-unquote you know, clean sheet of paper, a fresh sheet of paper. Again, I think we're winding back around to the stationary porn. But it's, it, it feels like it's a new sandbox for me to play in. And I don't care. I don't have to think about and have the weight of the cognitive weight of the other projects next to it. Instead, it feels like I just can iterate on it and riff on it and be wrong for the first few minutes. With, with OmniFocus, I tend to, like, when I'm in, entering data, I've thought pretty hard about what I'm entering. Because that, that's executionless. So it's like I'm basically making it for future Wolf to execute on. And, hey, more time dilation joke potential there if I watch Doctor Who. But, but the, you don't. I, but I don't, so I shan't. And... So with the, so when I have this the sandbox, I can be, I can. It doesn't have to be about execution. It can be about thoughts. I can basically clarify my thoughts about a project. I can basically put reference material next to actionable material, and then as my thoughts solidify, or I just can decide that this is a bogus project and I just delete the document. But it, it never touched the the kind of the sanctity of OmniFocus. So this is a is I find a very powerful way to um, to have that sandbox to play in without having to commit before saving changes to my managed, my managed object context. That probably makes did, sense. If you're did you just make a core data joke. Yeah, it is really bad core data <laughs> joke, but I, I imagine pretty much all core data jokes are pretty bad. Anyway, uh, another thing that I found with, uh, OmniFocus is because you have the hundred plus projects in there, uh, like a good little GTD or it, it's, it can get very noisy, and it can sometimes not be clear 
where your real priorities are. And I know that there's a bunch of GTDers who kind who are basically have kind of given up of the idea of like putting the hundred plus projects in in OmniFocus and maybe having another system altogether for for keeping a list of all their projects. And I think that actually works against OmniFocus. OmniFocus is very good at searching, very good at, at focusing on things. And I actually prefer to have my entire brain in terms of projects in OmniFocus. I think the tool really shines at that. But that noise level is is powerful. And uh, test paper helps me a lot deal with this in that I have a uh, another task paper, task paper document that is basically an outline of the seven projects that I want to do next. And these are uh, projects that excite me and all they got, they're all their they're only headlines that they don't contain any detail. But this window is pretty much up all the time and it, I can look at it, and it kind of gives me the the big picture view. It's um, kind of like uh, when you see, like, a, instead of uh, going turn by turn, you kind of zoom out on Google Maps, and you see, like, oh, I'm going from east to west. And you you kind of get an overall feel, which, which direction you're going to. That's how it makes me feel. And it helps add clarification to the, to the uh, information overload of OmniFocus. And of course, I also use uh, test paper for edge cases topics, and I I have more edge cases. Aha, that that's where your secret list is. <laughs> that's where the secret list is. I I think I have more items on my on my list than you do. So that's so maybe that's the secret yeah. of my success. Okay. The um so that was task paper. Um, the next thing that is really important that it works really well for me is kind of not using either system and man i haven't found anything that works as well at least when a project is being born it's like uh, I, I tend to do a lot of kind of lighter weight projects uh, especially as i'm spiking things out trying and get my head around a problem but um it, where for me and a a, a to do dot txt file in the xcode project there's there's something so uh, local and immediate about it that it it bests both uh, having a, a separate uh, task paper document in there, or and it is just, I mean Texas paper uh, t- task paper is a text editor, but something about having that right in the Xcode project and having it open by Xcode, and of course you know Xcode can open the dot task paper document as well because uh, it is text, but. The format is not quite what I want, and Task Paper does a good job of providing a UI that compensates for that. But I tend to use a slightly different format, and and that that uh, to do.txt tends to uh, be really it. OmniFocus I found that it has a problem with I feel kind of a burden to keep it synced with a project, and plus I have a lot of concurrent projects, so I have to create. Uh, projects uh, for each of those OmniFocus, and I just find it's basically me being a bookkeeper where I'm having to copy data over and keep update update all the time. Where the, where if I have a do.txt file in the uh, Xcode project folder itself, that stays pretty much up to date. And and uh, like I said, something about the locality that really works well for me. And uh, so I I recommend that. Don't try to sho- shoehorn everything into OmniFocus. Um, 
you know, recognize where, where your comfort levels are. And, and uh, to-do.txt is just really, is, uh, I can't really speak highly enough about it. This is something I did kind of in desperation many years ago. And it's really lightweight, but it works out really well for me. And it's also pretty common among, uh, especially open source projects, where they'll have a, a to-do list file in the project uh, top level. And um, I didn't get it from that. I, but, it's, but it's also one of those things that if you pass off the project to someone else or someone else takes a look at the project, that's, uh, I know when I see a to-do.txt, I always open that up and tend to take a look. And uh, that often uh, kind of lays out the roadmap of where the, pro- the, cur- the project's current state. It's interesting because for my projects and for other projects I've seen, to-do files are often woefully out of date. Ah, yes. Yes, I have run into that. Yeah, so so what do you do in that case? I mean, obviously, once a project is, especially once it's like publicly released, um, at that point you're kind of doing customer support and... At that point, it's definitely time to probably involve a real kind of issue tracker. And um, so I guess, is, is that how you tend to uh, manage these things, Andrew? Well, I mean, usually by the point that the to-do list is that out of date, it's kind of, it, it's kind of an indication that the project is probably not on the front burner anyway. Mm, true. And, uh, and, you know, it's by that point, you know, updating the to-do list is almost the least of your problems. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. So, I, so I generally haven't, I generally haven't, I don't remember in those cases either updating the to-do list or even doing something like deleting it. Oh, wow. It just, it just meant that that was it. Okay. Because I would also say that's not necessarily, it means that, uh, well, it could also mean that's not on the front burner anymore. But I would say it also potentially indicates this is simply a uh, level maturity in, in, the, in the program. You know, once you've shipped and once you got your 1.1 out, you know, the, I guess is, there's a definite worrisome trend of like to-do text devolving into a would-be-nice list type thing. You know, kind of a list of right, uh, future, I- future ideas. And um, for me, uh, it's, it's, the two texts tend to be much more focused on what are the items that need to be knocked out for the next version. And so it tends to be very focused. And I can totally see how kind of becoming a wish list, basically at that point, it devolves from a to-do list to a wish list. And yeah, that will suck your energy right down and that'll make it irrelevant really quickly. So uh, I think maybe maybe... I maybe even rename it to to do you know v you know v one or 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 to do four uh, version two. Uh, make it very clear that once you ship, that this file probably should just go away. Yeah. Okay. So uh, next on my list is um, probably something you you might not have considered in terms of a GTD system, a part of the GTD system, but has um, been working pretty well for me is uh, day one. Uh, have you heard of this app, Andrew? Uh, don't think so. Uh, day one is a journaling program. And it's for iOS and for the Mac. And there's Dropbox Sync. Uh, now they have iCloud Sync, but I don't care about that. And <clears throat> uh, day one is uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, it's pretty much is. Uh, it's essentially a text editor that it takes Markdown 
input. Uh, the iOS version is really nice in terms of how it integrates. Uh, being able to take photos, like, uh, you know, you're at someone's birthday party, you take a photo, and you can, you know, put in a journal, and it will figure out, it will, you know, basically geo stamp it and timestamp it, and it will even do things like include the current weather that was out uh, when you took the photo. It has a lot of nice touches to it, um, but you wouldn't suspect that like a journaling app would work well with uh, a GTD app. But I find it actually works well in terms of, um, again, cutting through the noise of your 100-plus projects that I have, as part of my boot perspective and OmniFocus, I have a list of currently four projects, but that tends to vary between, I would say, two and maybe seven so-called active projects. And what I like to do is actually um, write about them in the day one journal uh, to kind of kind of clear, clarify my mind about uh, where each project is at and and what's happened about them. Um, unfortunately, day one does have and it's a double edged sword. Day one has a a single journal uh, folder for for every entry. So there's unfortunately like no way to like have a, a specific uh, journal for like specific projects. But in fact, <laughs> I, I thought to myself that instead of, I really want day N, which it'd be instead of this one be day N, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the iOS version of day one does support tags, which can help separate the stuff out. Unfortunately, the Mac version still doesn't have it, even though they've been promising for a while. But uh, So that could help separate this type of stuff out. But uh, it's really powerful, actually, to kind of... Especially when I find that um, maybe I'm waiting for something from another person, just kind of, you know, to write out that, you know, this project can't go forward because I'm waiting on something. And and because again, when I inside OmniFocus, I tend to either be planning or I tend to be executing, and I've always had trouble with kind of how to deal with waiting for things, and because it's like it's, it feels like neither to me, and so there's something about this kind of writing it down and having to write that down a couple, you know, five times in a row that I'm still waiting for something that will basically give me the kick in the pants to actually write an email again to someone saying, hey. Uh, I'm still waiting for this or what have you. And um, yeah, so it, it, it kind of keeps your mind uh, thinking about these projects, these formal projects in a kind of a literate way that I think uh, kind of engages a different part of your brain. And um, I mentioned uh, BusyCal before and uh, specifically uh, version one, well, not, not really version 1.0, but uh, the version I'm using is 1.6.4 with this floating to-dos. That's obviously a big win for me. And um, But one... There's a couple of other aspects with that. Um, if you're like me and you work from, from home, or you... Um, I don't know how common it is really for uh, contractors to work from home. I, knew, I know you go to an office, Andrew. And you pretty much have you done that pretty much your entire professional career? Have you ever worked from home? I have. I have. I have always gone to the office. Always gone to okay. So you've always had that structure in your life. Yes. <laughs> 
You're laughing like, as you say that. Okay. <laughs> so, so you've never driven a car? You've always just ridden a bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I've only ridden a bicycle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, the, um, there's obviously, you know, if you, if you have that structure in your life, um, that's, it's the physical separation of having a place of work and a place at, at home is actually, uh, it's, uh, really handy from a mental perspective, from, a, uh, and it, and it, in, uh, in even emotional perspective, um, in terms of how you think about how you cleave up your day. And, you know, when you go to work, you're like, okay, I'm at work. I'm going to do work, work. When I'm at home, okay, it's time to leave work behind, and and I think it's actually quite healthy to have that divide. Um, I well, wait. So you've, yes. I was going to say, so you've never worked at Apple then? <laughs> no, I in, in the sense that you know, some jobs you take the work home with you as well. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes, but but um, in general, sure. Yes, yes, and, and yes, I agree that this is is a cute theory that often in our profession tends to go out the window, but. Um, when so I work from home and have pretty much worked from home. Oh, definitely not exclusively. I've had to go in the go into the office, as it were, uh, many a many a time. But it it um, most of my most of my work is done at home, and that means that my uh, it can be challenging in terms of how you cleave up the day and ensuring that you put enough effort into uh, each day that you need that you need. Um, so. There's, I use a couple uh, programs for this. Um, the first one is Flex Time, uh, written by Daniel Jalcut, and <clears throat> Flex Time is uh, I, th- I think I think it's um, it was written. You know, I'm thinking I'm confusing with his other music app because I want to say it has some sort of musical background to it, but actually now I think about it, no. I think I, I know what's confusing me is that it has the ability to send its uh, schedules to iTunes, which somehow ties that to music in my brain, but that's not not the case. Um, it's it's uh, essentially a way to say, you know, I have I have uh, a, something that should go for an hour, then something that should go for 20 minutes, then something that should go for another hour. And I find this this is a kind of a structure that I can apply to my day. It's kind of, uh, I would say that the, the metaphor here is that when you open up a graphics editor and then maybe you turn on grids, so you can kind of get a grid format going to make things easier, a little bit easier to line up and kind of get a and kind of a, a, a lightweight framework to kind of plug things in. Of course, you can you almost immediately go off the grid because you're like, oh, okay, this should be a little bit more to the left. And for me, uh, flex time, like uh, when I be, when I go to do uh, go into my OmniFocus boot list and uh, check off the fact that I got a cup of coffee, uh, I start flex time then, and I have a hour an hour an hour uh, task. That's called boot that coincides with it as I work through my boot list, and that includes uh, checking email and stuff like that. And uh, then the next interval is for two hours, and that's when I get to work. And um, then it's uh, some, and most of the time, I'd say most days, I actually end up not strictly following the schedule that I think I, that I've kind of codified into flex time, but it's still very helpful to when the, uh, especially when the second bong goes. And I find myself dicking around on some website. Uh, that's usually a, cl- 
a clear sign that I've derailed somewhere, uh, probably reading tweets or something, and that I need to get back to uh, something that actually accomplishes something that day. So that the constant, uh, like every two hour bong or whatever I have scheduled in flex time, is kind of a it's a good way to kind of like you know put my you know kind of kind of uh, put my head up, look at what I'm doing, and deciding do I want to do this. Um, of course, you know if you go into work, uh, you know I could actually argue that either way that uh, maybe you feel more peer pressure to work. Although this, <laughs> maybe you don't, uh, because obviously there's a lot of meetings and a lot of socialization and there's lunch and all that. So, um, well, and one thing that I was having a problem with that I still have a problem with is that, for example, um, uh, what was the uh, busy cow yeah. that you said you use on the Mac? Mm-hmm. But what I, since I have a work uh, Mac that I use, I don't necessarily want to install all my home applications and home data on that machine. So I'd, I would ideally, uh, as I'm adopting GTD, want to only be able to use applications that I can use on my on my uh, my iPhone. And but if you can't make the iPhone apps be as flexible as you need them to be, you can't have these these specialized reminders that you can click to to uh, what what were you saying that you can click them to make to do a to to keep them going then that's really difficult then because what are my choices well i could i could i could buy a whole new mac and bring it to work i could install this stuff on my work computer which i don't want to do or i could you know get an android device where they're more flexible you know (laughs) the, the the options are kind of limited to get what i really need out of an automated system um, and so, you know, I may not be able to rely on automated systems. I may have to rely on something where, where okay, the, the the steps that I need to take are more manual. That I do need to train myself to to you know to check something every half an hour, every hour, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because because I can't rely on can't rely on uh, uh, bongs like you do. <laughs> uh, uh, although I, we don't necessarily need to hear any more about about your bongs, there but you um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second tool in terms of um, kind of time cleaving that helps is uh, something actually I don't use anymore, but is probably be handy. Uh, have you heard of the Pomodoro technique? I think Pomodoro is a restaurant near me. That's <laughs> probably not what you mean. Probably not what I mean. Um, so this is among the productivity cultists. Um, this was big, I would say, four years ago. Um, the idea is that there's these uh, little uh, tomato timers. They, they, they're basically kitchen timers, and they they look like tomatoes. And I don't. And that's not important, but they're basically kitchen timers. And it's uh, the idea is that uh, you set a the the uh, duration varies, but uh, often it's uh, twenty to thirty minutes. And you just set this timer for twenty to thirty minutes. And you said. And you say, I'm going to, I'm just going to focus on this one thing for that. So you ignore email, you ignore Twitter, and uh, and you work on it until you hear the bing, and then you force yourself just to take a break. And um, I have, you know, I would say that it's, um, I don't want to put it down, but I almost feel that maybe if you're less disciplined, it might be more helpful. Uh, I, <clears throat> I. So, long story short, uh, I have a uh, 
repo on GitHub where um, it's a fork of, let's see, who wrote it? Unfortunately, I have the guy who goes by U-G-O-L on GitHub. Ugol? I don't know. But uh, it's a fork of, he wrote this nice little Mac menu bar Pomodoro implementation. And I have a fork of it on my GitHub repository. And um, that adds slightly better graphics. It's it's still not where I want to be, but before it, uh, the menu bar uh, icon had color in it, and I like to be have my menu bar ni- very nicely desaturated, so it doesn't call too much attention. So again, freely use my fork. There's some uh, apps on the App Store that I implement as well, and uh, I found it effective for when I used it for a while. Obviously, because I forked it, and I actually put some time into it. Um, so I don't use it anymore, but uh, it could be handy if you're trying. If you, especially if you have, maybe if you have work you have to kind of slog through that isn't really engaging. Um, like, actually, you know, maybe I, when I was doing my taxes, maybe I could have actually used this app now that I think about it. Because I, I did do, uh, procrastinate on that a bit. And if I just locked down on it, it would have helped. So maybe I'll start using my own app. Well, this is my app, but my fork again. But I wanted to mention that. Um, another, uh, I, I have uh, two apps from the same author, Nicholas Riley, that I want to call out. That's They're both... Uh, pretty powerful. And um, the first along the lines of time management is Pester. Uh, have you used Pester, Andrew? I haven't. Okay. Pester is, um, we all have these things where it's like, you know, there are cookies in the oven that I need to attend to 12 minutes, or I know that the bus leaves at 4, 12 p.m. and I need to get out by then. And um, Pester is a an app that... Uh, it provides a great user interface for these type of things that are coming up. And it's, I mean, you could nowadays do it on your iPhone. And, um, but I find uh, Pester is good when you actually like having to, you know, when you're working on your Mac and you're, especially in your in programming zone, that um, it's a good way to kind of call out these things. And uh, basically I always involve, I always invoke Pester when there's a train to catch. So that's basically a 100% thing. Uh, every time I, I always have to launch Pester when I'm going to have to go out and catch a train. Or actually, uh, yeah, I have flights too. Oh, actually, no, because I get a taxi and I have to wait for that guy. Um, so uh, another app that Nicholas Riley wrote is an app called Shroud. And Shroud is an incredibly simple app in that it's basically one of these um, uh, a- it covers your entire desktop with gray or a color of your choice and it can even optionally hire uh it can optionally hide the menu bar and the idea is just to blank out everything and so instead of kind of doing the multitasking thing it's like blank everything out and then you can uh in the dock or or alfred or what have you uh, switch to the app that you actually want to focus on and I have a very specific use case for Shroud in that every night when I do my super-duper backup, I switch Shroud to the frontmost. Uh, so it ends up being the only things that are visible when I get to my Mac in the morning is the hopefully successfully completed super-duper super backup window and OmniFocus. And the idea is that it's, it's very... Twitter it does a very good job of capturing my attention, and uh, so do the web pages that I have up. So it's very important I get those out of my view, so my I don't start reading them and I don't start thinking 
yesterday's thoughts. Instead, I want to kind of reevaluate where I am in the projects and think about what I want to do next instead of what had my attention last night. And it's a simple app, but it, it turns out that makes all the difference for me. Interesting. It's a uh, sensory deprivation tank <laughs> for your Mac. There you go. Um, and <clears throat> the final app that I want to mention, which is good because we're at 44 minutes, is uh, Timeout. And Timeout is not strictly a uh, productivity application, but could be abused, uh, abused for it. And <clears throat> it's more kind of um, a... It's more for kind of like uh, like to remind you to take breaks while you're using a computer because obviously programming is pretty intense and can suck you into it pretty hardcore. Um, and the entire idea is to be kind of zen and like when the when the timer goes off, you maybe look out the window and all that. Uh, I tend to use a different feature of it, which is the micro timeouts, which tend to fire much more frequently. And essentially every... Uh, 10 minutes, my screen goes gray uh, for one second to and to basically remind me to roll my bloody head around because otherwise I get stiff in the neck and and I just uh, I think you know I'm holding the same position all day every day and I just uh, or for my for neck and shoulder health that's true remind me to do that. But that said, um, I think it also it can has all these options where it can play sounds and all that. I could see this as a potential. Uh, different way, instead of using flex time, uh, you could potentially use timeout just to kind of make you think about what you're currently working on and uh, whether you should be, you know, should you be reading this web page instead of doing, writing this class that you really should be writing. And so that's kind of being aware of what you're actually paying your attention to. And uh, finally, so this, because this is all a GTD thing, I'll kind of wind it back up with uh, back to the philosophy type stuff. And although this is a pretty pragmatic tip, um important thing about getting things done is that while it it's it's easy to fall off the getting things done bandwagon you know it's easy to get numb to all your lists to not check your check your inbox for a while um not do your weekly view every week and just kind of let go of follow and but the thing with getting things done is that it's also really easy to get back on the wagon to just pick it up again and the you know, the big pain of getting things done is the initial kind of purge and population of your project lists. And that work was not wasted. You'll find that often, even if you get go cold on getting things done for extended period of time, uh, you know, maybe a few months, come back to it. And, you know, the, some, of the, some of the projects won't be relevant anymore, but most of them will. And so, uh, like, the, the, in, in the entire purge of having to put everything into OmniFocus or whatever task management system you want to use, it it was all worth it. And it, it's not wasted effort. And it probably helped you think pretty well about what you want to accomplish. And so uh, you, you can leverage that next time you, you get back into the system. So I've gone, I basically have fallen off the Omni, uh, the uh, getting things done bandwagon, I would say, I don't know, seven times over the past <laughs> 10 years. And, you know, and it's uh, I've just been able to get back on, and it hasn't been that bad. So, uh, and I would I would actually expect you know cut yourself some slack if you try GDD and maybe it works for a while and then it doesn't. I would say don't think that it's a failed experiment. 
let's try pick it back up again. It's really easy to do so, and it probably work for you. And that does it for me. Okay. So please visit our website, edgecasesshow.com, all one word, for show notes, a link to our podcast on iTunes, and more. You can find us individually on Twitter, me, A Pontius, A P O N T I O U S, and the same on app.net. And Wolf, his last name, Wrench, that's the word rent, R E N T, plus Z, plus S C H. We'll see you next time. <laughs>